Well, the singer-songwriter Tom Petty once sang, Waiting is the hardest part. Remember that song, Waiting is the hardest part. And I think we all know that this is true. Uh, we know that as believers, we're called to be a patient people. In fact, Colossians 3 verse 12 says that we are called to put on patience. And we know that the Bible is filled with patience-related words. Words like long-suffering and endurance and steadfastness and waiting. But this waiting with patience really isn't our natural disposition. Well, this is why we need the help of the Holy Spirit, amen? Because one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is patience, long-suffering, working in our lives. But part of the issue for us as believers is that God, well, he often seems to move more slowly than we would like for him to move. You know, we might confess that God is sovereign. We might intellectually in our minds believe that he is wiser than we are, but still we are often confused. We often wonder at his delays. You know, why, God, is this particular thing taking so long? What are you doing? Could you, Lord, move more quickly? And in our passage today, we are going to watch the God-man, Jesus Christ, delay. First, a man is going to come to Jesus. He's going to beg Jesus to come to his home to heal his little 12-year-old daughter. And Jesus is going to take his time traveling to this man's house in his hour of need. Second in the story, a woman will interrupt Jesus's journey to that man's house. Now she's going to touch Jesus's garment and be healed immediately. So it sounds very fast, but it only came after 12 years of this woman painfully experiencing the tragedy of her sickness. Things had moved much more slowly than she would have preferred. And in this story, we're going to consider some of the benefits of God's delays in our own lives. We're going to peek behind the curtain, so to speak, of this story to see some of the reasons why Jesus sometimes moves slowly in our lives. But let's start out with the first movement of the story and the text in verse 21 and following. It says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. Okay, here the story begins with Jesus crossing again in the boat to the other side of Galilee. Remember, he had taught parables in the boat, then crossed the stormy sea in the boat, got to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and when he got out of the boat, 
had met a demoniac whom he delivered from his demonic oppression. And then at the pleading of the people on the other side, got back into the boat and crossed back over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And when he returns, a man named Jairus, the passage tells us, fell at his feet because his little daughter was at the point of death. Okay, the man, Jairus, was one of the local leaders or rulers of the synagogue. That means that he was a man of lofty position in the community. He was not ecclesiastically or theologically trained like a scribe or a rabbi, but he had administrative duties there in the synagogue. He had to take care of the maintenance of the facilities, procure scrolls for the Bible studies, arrange the roster and the services. Uh, he just made sure that the worship of God, the study of scripture took place in their local synagogue. Uh, but he did not let his position of esteem keep him from Jesus. He knew that he was out of options. And so he came to Jesus, knowing what he knew about what Jesus could do, heal people. He'd heard the word. He'd heard what Christ had done. He believed that Jesus could heal his little girl. Let's continue on in the story in verse 24. And it says, and he, Jesus, went with him, Jairus, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, verse 29, the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Okay, on the way to Jairus's daughter, while this great crowd pressed upon Jesus, this woman secretly approached Jesus. Now, nobody knew that she was there. She's anonymous to the crowds and the disciples. She was sick with a private and protracted problem. Her continuous uterine bleeding under Old Testament ceremonial law would have made her unclean. And even the customs of her day might have meant that she had lost her marriage because of her inability to have a child. So her sickness had cost her quite a bit. She is outcast from her community. Okay, we learn that the illness was present in her for 12 painful years. That's a long time for someone to bear a disease or a sickness in their body. And those years were filled with visits and payments to various physicians. She'd spent, verse 26, all that she had and only grew worse. Okay, so when she heard about the great physician, the healer in Galilee, she came quietly and she thought to herself that even a touch of his garment would deliver her. She didn't want others to know about her malady, so she privately sought this anonymous healing. And the crazy thing is, it worked. She touched Jesus' garment and she was healed. She felt it in her body. 
Now, before we move on from this portion of the story, let's consider this woman's situation. Okay, 12 years, like I said, that's a long time to be sick. She might have felt that her best years in life had been consumed by this illness. And during those years, Mark is careful to record, she had suffered much under many physicians. Now, this is not Mark's way of dismissing science or medicine. It's not his way of dunking on the medical community. But it might be his way of knocking some of the medicinal methods of their day. I mean, if you go back in history, they had some truly archaic practices. Uh, some of their practices were rooted in mere superstition, and there were plenty, plenty of peddlers of these medicinal wares. It's kind of like you can imagine her Instagram feed blowing up with testimonials of products purported to bring healing to others, and she eagerly tried every one of them until all of her money and all of her hope was gone. Okay, then one day, she hears about Jesus, and hope began to rise within her. I don't think she'd had hope for a very long time. You know, she knew nothing, and no one could help her. But the more she heard about Jesus, the more she began to believe, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Okay, what had those long years and unfulfilled hopes produced in this woman? They had produced the knowledge that only Jesus could help her. Okay, this is one of the first things I want you to see. The delay creates beautiful dependence on him. The delay creates beautiful dependence on him. I think we can easily relate to this woman. You see, many of us have spent years trying to find healing or fulfillment in a myriad of outlets. We have turned to things like education, entertainment, or career to give us meaning and fulfillment in life. Some think that a romantic relationship will make things better. Others think that children of their own will finally bring happiness. And still others believe that getting their friendships working properly will satisfy their needs. And when these loftier aims don't work, we try them all again in new forms, new friends, new spouses, new kids, new people in our lives. Or we turn to baser forms of self-medication. I mean, who hasn't at one point or another tried to medicate with Netflix who hasn't scoured their newsfeed in an attempt to find out the why of their situation or perhaps this situation that we're all in today. We drug ourselves, distract ourselves, and detach ourselves in an attempt to get by. And some of us even have experience in exactly what this woman endured. We've spent paycheck after paycheck pursuing various medical experts in hopes that they can fix our broken bodies or our broken souls. We've tried and tried, but there are no answers and there are no quick fixes. Now, to be clear, many of the elements that I just mentioned fall squarely into the category of God's common grace 
towards mankind. You know, to learn things, to relate to others, to medicate and to entertain even, they all have their place. They are gifts that God has given to humanity. But the child of God must learn not to rely on those things to fix their lives. We must learn dependence ultimately upon Christ. We must learn that the other sources are all too willing to take and take and take just like those physicians in this woman's day. But Jesus, he gives. We must see him as the one who can ultimately deliver us from all brokenness. All right, so that's the first thing I want you to see. The delay, well, it creates beautiful dependence upon God. Sometimes when God delays, it's so that dependence can build. Well, let's move on in our story. Verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and in trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, this is a fascinating development. The woman, okay, for obvious reasons, a very private sickness. She preferred a private healing. But Jesus, he knew that power had gone out from him. He felt it. So he stopped the whole procession until she came forward. Okay, the disciples were confused by the whole thing and considered it their big opportunity to finally rebuke Jesus. I mean, he had rebuked them so many times and they thought, thought, we finally got you, Jesus. There's people pressing in on you and you are saying, who touched me? But then the woman, she stepped forward, confessed that she was the one who had touched Jesus and told him the whole truth. She left nothing out. And Jesus's response was so beautiful. Don't you think? He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, I want to focus for a second on that word daughter. This is the only time that Jesus referred to a woman as his daughter. And it must be important because in all of the Gospels that record this story, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all make sure to mention this particular detail that Jesus called her his daughter. Now keep in mind, Jesus is quite possibly younger than this woman biologically, uh, and at the very least, not that much older than she is, but he called her his daughter. Now, part of the reason that Jesus referred to the woman this way and why he called her out in the first place was so that she could know him and that he could know her. You see, D Jesus didn't want her to remain anonymous. Many were pressing in on him that day, but he wanted to know who touched him in faith, with faith. And by outing her, Jesus turned her healing 
into something much more than just a healing. She was now pronounced clean to the community by the great high priest, Jesus himself. An overcomer she became by God's grace, and she became a daughter of God himself. This is another thing that happens through Jesus's or God's delays in our lives. The delay develops depth in your relationship with God. The delay develops depth in your relationship with God. You see, far too often we approach Jesus with the hopes of getting what we need from him and then moving on. You know, I need a little spiritual pick-me-up, so I'll go to a worship night. I need a bit of peace, so I'll read one of my favorite psalms. I need direction, so I'll search my Bible for my current topic of interest and move on. And the thing is, we know what we know, and we feel what we feel, so Jesus doesn't seem to blame us when we bring our short-sighted list of needs and requests to him. But here's the thing, Jesus wants more for you and wants more for himself, for us together. He isn't interested in only helping with what you think you need. He wanted more for the woman and he wants more for you. He doesn't want to be a vending machine for your desires and wants and needs. Instead, he wants you to be in relationship with him. He knows that it's the best thing for you and he loves you. He would not let this woman walk away in, in, in anonymity outside of a relationship with himself. And so often when God delays in our lives, it provides the perfect opportunity for our relationship with him to flourish. I bet many of you, even now, are experiencing this in your own life. You know, you wanted this whole thing to end 10 weeks ago, uh, but here we are. And maybe when all this began, you thought things like, I need people, I need friends, I need entertainment, I need face masks, I need the latest news, I need my social media feeds, I need a job, I need peace, or I need toilet paper. Maybe these were some of the things that you were saying you needed at the beginning of all of this. Now, however, I hope you've come to realize that you need a stronger relationship with God and that he's trying to use this delay to deepen your walk with him. Let's go on in the story. It says in verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Okay, during Jesus's delay with the woman, Jairus's daughter died. Okay, considering how long it would have taken the messengers to arrive with the news from Jairus's home, uh, the girl had likely died before the woman touched Jesus's garment. In other words, it's unlikely that Jesus's delay led to this little girl's death. The messenger told Jairus to leave Jesus alone. Why trouble the teacher, he said. 
any further. Did you catch that? Teacher. You know, when, when Jesus' ministry was completed, he would raise three people back to life. And himself, he himself would resurrect. But at this point in Jesus' ministry, he hadn't raised anyone back to life. So they dismissed him. The teacher, he can't do this kind of thing. He could heal fevers and leprosy and even paralysis. But he can't deal with someone who is dead. She is done. So don't trouble the teacher any further. But notice Jesus' immediate response to Jairus. Without even waiting for Jairus to respond, Jesus jumps in after hearing this person give this message and says, Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. The woman had faith when she touched Jesus' garment. Jesus knew that Jairus needed faith like that woman's. And now we understand something important about the story. The woman's story was meant to develop Jairus' faith. This is another reason why Jesus called the woman his daughter. Jairus had a daughter and she was at the point of death. And it would serve as a faith strengthener for Jairus to see how Jesus treated his own daughter. If he healed this woman, calling her his daughter, perhaps Jesus could raise Jairus' daughter back to life. This leads us to another thing that God's delays often can do in our lives. The delay, it's meant to develop your faith. The delay, it's meant to develop your faith. You see, when Jesus moves slowly in your life, it's often because he is interceding for you by building up your faith. You know, Jairus needed more faith for what he was going to face. We need more faith for what we are going to face in life. And Jesus, he wants to build that faith up in us. How does he develop your faith during delay? Well, one way that he does it is through scripture. You know, time and time again, God recorded in the Bible stories of his work amongst his people, partly as a way to bolster the faith of subsequent generations. You know, we're surrounded in the Bible by a cloud of great witnesses. They lived as examples for all of us. And when we read their stories and see God's faithfulness to them, it builds up our faith. So stay in the book. But we also can have our faith built up through the stories that we know from church history, not just scripture, but outside of the scripture. You see, though church history is filled with some rather disturbing elements, it's also full of God's faithfulness. The spread of the gospel, God's faithfulness during eras of persecution, and tales of revival throughout history are often exceedingly helpful for us today. So when you read biographies or articles or listen to podcasts about faithful church people, believers from times past, it will aid your own faith and build your faith even today. And another way that God will build up our faith is through the story of other believers. That's what happened to Jairus. He saw this woman's story and his faith 
was built up. And we also need stories of real flesh and blood human beings from our own everyday lives. You know, as we listen to stories uh, of God's faithfulness to men and women, young and old, married and unmarried, rich and poor, we see further evidence that God, he can be trusted in our situation as well. Now, verse 37, the story goes on and it says, And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they, verse 40, laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Okay, before we close out this story, we should notice here already that the house of Jairus is abuzz with professional mourners, which is what their culture expected. Uh, these weren't friends and family members. They were community members that had been hired and their whole mission was to broadcast loudly to the community that something painful had happened in this home. They were declaring that sorrow had struck Jairus's home. Now to Jesus, this little girl, he says, was only sleeping. Uh, but they knew a dead girl when they saw one, so they laughed at him. But it was Jesus who would get the last laugh. So he put out all these doubters outside of the house outside where they belonged. And he went into the house with the parents of the little girl and three of his disciples, Peter and James and John. And in verse 41, taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kom, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. She'd, after all, not been resurrected into glory, but raised back to regular life. So she needed food to sustain her. Now, Mark, in his gospel, uh, wrote this gospel in the Greek of the Roman world that he lived in, but he made a specific decision to record Jesus's words to the little girl in Aramaic and then interpret that Aramaic for his Greek audience. The Aramaic that Jesus spoke commonly when he walked around and taught said, Talitha Kom. Uh, that is a phrase which Mark tells us means little girl, I say to you, arise. I think the reason that Mark broke through and gave the Aramaic is because Peter is the one reporting this story to him. And I think Peter, who was there in that moment, just had that impression, remembering the direct words of Jesus, taking that little girl by the hand and speaking to her. And he told Mark in, in, in Aramaic, he said, Talitha Calm. And the girl rose from the dead. Peter was moved by this experience. It's like he could hear the words still dripping off of Jesus's mouth. Little girl, 
arise. And immediately the girl got up and she began walking. Waves of amazement overwhelmed everyone in the room. She was alive. She'd been dead, but now she's living. And this leads me to a final thing that I want to show you today about the delays of Christ in our lives. The delay gives you more than you asked for. The delay gives you more than you asked for. You see, both Jairus and the woman in this story, they got far more from Jesus than they first expected. You know, when she came to Jesus, all she wanted was a healing, but she became his daughter. Jairus simply wanted his daughter to be healed, but she was instead brought back to life from the dead. This is how our Lord works in the delay. He wills to go beyond our simple requests to something so much better. We're usually asking for scraps when he wants to give us the whole buffet. So we say things like, oh God, keep me from the coronavirus. But he wants to develop your faith and reset your whole priority system during this wild season. We pray, oh God, provide for my needs. But he wants to show you how he can get you through anything that this planet throws at you. We say, oh God, help me in my loneliness. But he wants to become a friend closer than any human being could ever be to you. We pray, oh God, heal my sickness. But he wants to show you that even if sickness overcomes your body, he will be there to resurrect you to glory. Now we celebrate this, but we have to also notice how both Jairus and the woman they got more than they expected, but they also had to give more than they expected. You see, they hoped that they'd get their healings with little cost. The woman wanted anonymity. Jairus wanted a quick trip to his house. But she, the woman, was required to go public. And, and Jairus was required to believe through death. They got more than they originally wanted but they had to give more than they thought they needed to give. Perhaps this is what we should really think when we say that waiting is the hardest part, that there's something that God is asking from us to believe in him. And that's Jesus. He'll overwhelm you with grace, but he is looking for those who will live as sacrifices unto him. Only then do we tap into the fullness of his grace and blessing. But let's end by thinking about Jesus. When the woman touched his garment, it says in verse 30 that he felt power depart from him. It's a mysterious statement. Many scholars have been baffled by it. How did this power departing from Jesus' body work? And the truth of the matter is, I don't know how this worked, but I do know that this healing cost 
Jesus something. It took power from him for the woman to be healed. And if he felt power go from his body when he was doing this, I can only imagine what it took out of him when he died on the cross for six hours for the sin of the whole world. For this, Jesus is worthy of our trust through any and all delays. Still, we say, come, Lord Jesus. We trust you, but come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would make us a people who are able to wait upon you well. Lord, that we would not lose our minds as things take longer than we'd like, but that the peace of your spirit would come into us and that we would let you do everything that you want to do in this unprecedented time. Forgive us of our wrath and anger towards others. Help our hearts to be pure. And Lord, we pray and ask that you would do your finest work through the delay. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. See you next week.